Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm not sure where you are listening from, but I welcome you back to another episode of the Exodus series, aka The Exit. We are reading the book of Exodus from the New King James Version of the Bible. I am so grateful and I'm appreciative of you finding my podcast worthy of listening to. May God bless you. And I do pray that the word of God resonates with you and that it places such a heavy burden on you to want to develop an even closer relationship with God. And for those of you who are yet to know God, who are yet to come into contact with his presence. I pray in the name of Jesus that when you take up this Bible and begin to learn about this man called God and his son, Jesus Christ, who died for you and I, that the Holy Spirit fills you up and you begin your life as a new man. Amen. So welcome back. Uh, last week, we started with chapters one and two of the Exodus series. And, you know, in these last two chapters, and please, I'm just going to summarize. If you have yet to listen to it, just stop this one. Take a moment. Go back. It's only 30 minutes long. In fact, 29 minutes long. Uh, And, you know, go ahead and listen to it. I would always advise that you open your Bible and just, you know, listen along while you're reading along. Because what the Holy Spirit revealed to me can be different from what the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. So I always say, take up that Bible and read it, but read it with an open mind and make sure you pray before you read it so that God can give you the wisdom, the knowledge and the understanding that you need to know what is being relayed to you and what you may need to relay to the people. You never know. All right, so chapters one and two. Chapter one just kind of started us off with um, letting us know the lineage of Jacob and, you know, reminding us of Joseph's death and how after Joseph's death, because remember, Joseph was a very popular man. He was second in command to the Pharaoh of that time. But unfortunately, that king passed on and the Israelites were suffering greatly. I mean, a great ordeal and they screamed and cried out to God for um, saving and God did hear them but this king is just so adamant to decrease the population of the Israelites there's this intimidation that they're you know growing vastly and that they might take over Um, you know and I did mention that this just sounds like the early onset of racism, right? Because, I mean, why would you be so intimidated by another set of people? They're on your land. If not, join forces, you know, learn about this God that they serve. But clearly, because they're idol worshipers, they knew that there was a power within the Israelites. Hence this fear of um, having um, having them be outnumbered, so to speak, the Egyptians, when I say they. And then in chapter two, we talk about the birth of Moses, You know, and Moses was born in a time where the Pharaoh of this time wanted all the male sons to be killed because, again, they were trying to reduce population. Um, The only way to do that is if there are no men that these Israelites can lay with, then they won't bring forth more children. 
okay? <laughs> As if Egyptian men probably don't find some of these Israeli women attractive, but I digress. So nonetheless, these uh, midwives who had a fear of God in them were opposed to this. They were like, no, we are not going to be doing any killing. Uh, and we learned that in chapter one. In chapter two, when Moses was born, when, this, when the mom realized, oh my God, look at how beautiful this child is, which we know the Holy Spirit put that in her. This child is going to be special for her to decide, you know what? He's three months old. He's getting big. He's going to be noticeable. I'm just going to have to do something. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit placed that on her. Just put him in a basket, go ahead and put him in the river and let it flow. And we know that the Holy Spirit will guide that baby wherever the baby lands. And the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the daughter of Pharaoh stumbled across this baby. Was it the daughter? Or the, I think it's the wife of Pharaoh that stumbled across the baby. No, Pharaoh's daughter. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, everyone. Pharaoh's daughter stumbled across the baby and ordered her maidservants to, you know, wean the baby, make sure that the Israeli midwives were breastfeeding the baby and all that good stuff. So for them to be, it's so interesting how they knew and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the last podcast, but in this one, as I'm reading again, I, I just get like a flash of the face of Moses. Because for them to say, should we get one of the Hebrew women to wean the baby? Moses must have looked a certain way for them to know this is not an Egyptian child. And if, as we read further, of course, I've read some parts of Exodus, um, but we're going to do it together. We're going to read it together and learn together and understand and be filled with the spirit together. Because I believe Moses was probably of a darker complexion, maybe, that allows him to stand out from what the Egyptians look like. It's, it's interesting, but I guess God will show us as we read forward. And um, yeah, you know, Moses uh, grew up under um, Pharaoh's, you know, kingdom, so to speak. But Moses was always tied to his people, the Hebrews, you know, the Israelites. Um, and so now we're going into chapter three and four, God willing. And let's see how God begins to use Moses. Here we go. Chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Mm. Amen. Come on, somebody. Did you, did you hear that? When the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was not consumed. When it says the bush was not consumed, the bush was not on fire. But the angel appeared to have flames. Verse 3 says, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. I want to stop for a second. 
Number one, nobody can see the face of God. I think Moses was probably the luckiest to see the back of God, right? But no one can see the face of God. Another thing I noticed here is where God is, that place is considered holy. So he tells him to take off his sandals from his feet because where he stands is holy ground. God is holy. God is pure. He is without blemish. We were born into sin, so we're blemished. Even though we probably aren't living a life of sin, we were still born into sin because of the first man who was supposed to be sinless, right? We learned that in Genesis. Please go back and read the Genesis series. I mean, listen to the Genesis series, yes, and read if you have not read or listened to it yet. All right, verse six, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God knows our sorrows. God hears our cry. Don't think for once he's not listening. Don't think for once that he's not working behind the scenes. He may not be working to the speed of our taste, but he's working. And in his perfect timing, all will come together for the greater good. Verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to, go to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, if we go back into Genesis, Genesis 15, Genesis 19, Genesis, it'll explain these people and their lands. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's stop for a second again. When God calls us to do something, and that task may seem like a great one, in fact, one that could possibly hurt you, right? You now say, God, what was this dream I just had? Are you telling me I'm, I'm going to be president? What? Me? What have I done? What could I possibly do to help this country? You mean I'm going to be a supervisor? I've only been here but six months. I don't really know anything. But remember what God said to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I already have plans for you. We must trust in God's plans and trust that what he has for us is not to harm us, but to do us good. I'm going to verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. 
Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Amen. I mean, just the word, I, the, the phrase I am alone has so much power because he is, he was, and still to come. No one created God. God is the creator. God has been. Hallelujah. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give his people, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go, that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. And this is the word of God for chapter 3. So let's talk about this really quickly. <laughs> what a mighty God. You know, God can do and undo. God can control what is going to happen before it happens. I mean, in fact, he already knows what's going to happen. I mean, it, we see that here. He tells uh, Moses what he needs to do. He tells him to go gather up the elders, let them know who I am. They're going to heed to your voice because God is going to put the Holy Spirit in them to receive that which Moses is going to relay as it concerns God's word. And then from 19 to 22, where it ends the chapter, he says, when you go to the king of Egypt, I know for a fact he's not going to let you people go. But I'm going to show that I am who I say I am with signs and wonders in their faces right before their eyes. And they will surely let you go. And I will be with you in that wilderness. But you must go and do as I have told you. And one thing that you must be is obedient. When God calls you, 
for an assignment and you will know it's the Lord because the Lord will make himself known to you. And I pray he does to anyone listening right now. And when you are called for that particular task, it doesn't matter if you are in a state of financial crisis. God will always make a way. He will bring you food through a follower that is going to work with you. You know, you would just find money sometimes and wonder, where did this come from? Because you have decided to take up your cross. To take up the cross of Christ. You've decided to be crucified. You've decided to be sanctified. You've decided to take on this journey that God wants you to embark on. I promise you, when God calls and you answer, you better listen. And you better follow every single directive that is given to you. And the Lord shall see you through. You will never lack. You will never hunger. You will never thirst. He is not a God of confusion. He is a God of provision. He is a God of insight. That is our mighty counselor. And he will counsel you every step of the way. Let's continue. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 is titled, The Miraculous Signs for Pharaoh. When Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Hallelujah. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Verse 6 says, Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hands was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood, on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So I'll stop for a second. Many people assumed that when he said this, he meant he was a stutterer. But Moses wasn't a stutterer. Moses just wasn't a good public speaker. You know, he didn't, he was too shy. He probably felt as though, you know, his speech might slur. He's not smart enough. They might not really take him serious. That's sort of what it means here. Um, when you look at some theologians and some study Bibles, it, it, they kind of go further and tell you it, it wasn't that he wasn't, he was a stutterer. It was just that he felt he wasn't a good speaker. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? Mm. 
this is another man god is good so funny we talked about this in our ministry group yesterday this is another sign of those who say god why would you give me a child that has autism why would you give me a child that is partially blind? Why would you give me a child that is deaf and dumb? Why would you give me a child that cannot even walk? Lord, why? Why, 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 why? We questioned God. However, prior to that, we prayed that God will bless us with one. And there are scriptures where God says, I did this so that they will see my mighty works, my mighty hand. Remember with Jesus, for those of you who know the Bible pretty well, when that citizen came to him and asked that he be healed, but they were questioning, well, why is he this way? And God, and this person was, was born blind, basically. That was the story. He was born blind. And it was like, well, I think the disciples asked him, why, why would he be born blind? Was it the sins of his father? Is there something that was done? And Jesus said, no, he was born blind so that the world may see the glory of God. They will see God's power. And he made, he restored the man's sight. There's nothing God cannot do, but we must have faith. We must believe that he can undo. Sometimes things are just the way they are because God wants to show himself powerful, mighty. All right, let's not spend too much time because we've got a couple of minutes left. Verse 12 says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. We just got to humble ourselves in the sight of God. He knows our power. He knows our limits. He knows our extents. He knows what we can do and not do. But because he has sent us to go and do something, he will be with us. Verse 13, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. See, Moses was being defiant. Moses wasn't believing. Verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Moses doesn't know that his cousin was going to come and meet him, but he did. See how God upset God became at Moses? Like I just said, I'm going to be your mouthpiece. And you don't even believe that? Hmm. Verse 15. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. You see how, how, how graceful God is? how merciful he is. He could have easily done away with Moses and that would have been it. Dude, you're calling, you, you, you had it. It's, a, it's like a saying that Idris Elba mentioned. Everyone's got talent, but not everyone has opportunity. That's very deep because God did call many, but only few were chosen. 
because they did not take the opportunity God was giving them to show forth his glory. Amen. Amen, somebody. This next subtopic within the same chapter four says Moses goes to Egypt. Verse 18. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Usually there's this respect, and it's uh, very similar to how our culture is back home in Nigeria. There's just a, a, a certain type of respect that is given to our elders, where we seek their permission so that we can receive their prayers wherever we are going to journey off to. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Remember, in chapter 2, Moses had murdered these Egyptians that were basically bullying an Israelite. And he had fled because, you know, they found out like, oh, you think we didn't see what you did? So God had said to him, which, you know, God saw what he did too. <laughs> God had said to him, go ahead and return to Egypt because those men who were looking for you, they're now dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. We go on to verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son your firstborn. I know many people would be like, what? I thought God was a God of love. How would he outright say he's going to kill their son? I mean, why not? The Egyptians have been killing innocent Israelites for decades, killing God's people. So God, who was almighty, who created even the killers, what's wrong with him taking them out? Remember, God is trying to prove he is God. He doesn't have to prove it because it is known. It's been in everyone's heart. It's just that hearts are hardened. And so God wants to soften their hearts. But he must show it through signs and wonders. Verse 24, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. When then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let them he so he let him go. Then he said, then she said, I'm so sorry, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, verse 31, when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction. Then they bowed down their heads and worshiped. It didn't take nothing, and this is the word of God, 
where we end with chapter four. We're going to stop there. It didn't take much for the Israelites to believe because they know. They, they, they know of the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. They know that there's a promise for them. They know the God of whom they serve that has been watching over them. And when they cried out and they were able to see these signs and, and, and wonders that Moses and Aaron did before them, oh, it was nothing for them to immediately believe that God has surely heard their cry for them to bow their heads and worship. My brothers and sisters, my mothers and fathers, the young, the old, those of you that are listening right now, when we read these stories in the Bible, please don't take them as just ordinary stories. They are, they are spiritual accounts of what has taken place and what continues to take place, right? It's just that this Bible can never be changed. But we can write our own story through the help of the Holy Spirit by being obedient to the calling upon your life. Look at what happens when you are defiant. God gets upset and he's not going to forget it. We must be obedient. As humans, we know. We know we're just going to be like, ah, we're going to complain. But we've got to see the greater good that will come from it. This is why reading the word of God daily is important because it reminds us, it renews our mind every day. It renews a fresh sense of hope and faith. And so I pray that you will get that renewal of the mind through this podcast and through the reading of the word. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, have a blessed rest of the week. Take care of yourself and remember to put God first. Bye, everyone.